You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, a uh, very good afternoon uh, to all of our listeners here on Voice of Islam radio station. Today, you're joined by myself, Safir, and Rahil in the studio, and we have a special program for you in this hour where we're going to talk about um, a mosque being inaugurated in, um, in, in Zion, in Illinois, in America. Uh, Zion is actually a city in uh, Lake County in Illinois, in the United States, uh, just very close to Chicago. And uh, it's not just a mosque, and it's not just a city, it's actually a whole history behind it. Absolutely. And um, a history that is very <coughs> uh, important to to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and the, tr- the truthfulness um, of the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, mm-hmm. how um, that happened, what the history is, that all we will dis- we will discover in this hour. Um, and um, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, program and discussion mm-hmm. um, about that because um, this, this, this history is uh, one of the you know, uh, big signs of mm-hmm. um, of the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, mm-hmm. his truthfulness and how uh, it manifested uh, in the West and especially in the United States and for the people of America. Um, and we're talking about this be- is because um, the current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih, Hazrat Mizam Masur Ahmad, may Allah be his helper, mm-hmm. um, has actually traveled there and is currently there um you know uh, opening the mosque mm-hmm. um and will also obviously um i think deliver the friday sermon from there tomorrow mm-hmm. um and uh, we'll be listening to that as well <coughs> rahil you work in the history department as well mm-hmm. and you know i don't need to say anything more than obviously that how important this uh um, prophecy this prophecy is um mm-hmm. in the ahmadiyya muslim community absolutely there's no doubt i mean um, this prophecy is is one of the means um, mm. of the message of the promised Messiah alayhi salam. Uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him alayhi salam translates to um, reaching the West. Right. Um, we know very well that, and we've covered it on numerous programs here, that uh, one of the prophecies of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam peace be upon him was that the, the, there will come a time when the sun of his sun will rise from the West. Yeah. And and this is one of the signs of the end days. Mm. Let's say. And the Promised Messiah, you know, uh, although many people understand it literally, many Muslims, but one of the meanings that the Promised Messiah, you know, gave um, for this sign, uh, he said that, uh, that, that, that and, and, and I'm quoting here, he says, similarly, the rising of the sun from the West, which will take place, we believe in it. However, what was disclosed to this humble one through a vision is that the sun rising from the West means that the Western countries, which had been engulfed by the darkness of infidelity and ignorance, will be illuminated by the son of truth and they will have a share of Islam and then he you know explain, explains a vision where he saw himself you know standing on a rostrum in London uh, revealing the Islamic truth um, 
you know, through well-reasoned arguments in an English, in English language. And then after he, <coughs> sorry, um, sees himself um, where he caught, you know, many birds, uh, white birds, he says, on small trees. Um, and he interpreted this to mean that even though he says, uh, I would not reach these countries myself, mm. but there would come a time that my writings would spread amongst those people and many righteous Englishmen would become the uh, prey of truth. And and one thing to understand is when the Prophet is referring to Englishmen, it's not just uh, people of England. Uh, and so, f- and he's, he's basically speaking about the West. And people who speak English, obviously, are exactly. all these countries, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, this was, you know, something that the Promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wasalam, you know, explained with regards to this, um, you know, this uh, th- this prophecy of the Holy Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wasalam. And it is interesting um, to note that, um, you know, when the Promised Messiah, he's going to start his mission, um, uh, you know, as early as, let's say, 1885, mm. um, when he wrote Brahine Ahmadiyya, you know, the excellences of, uh, Islam does it translate to or the arguments of uh, yeah. Ahmadiyya yes. right he wrote um, to countless numerous and there, 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 there's an article coming in Al-Hakam uh, this weekend on, on, on that particular issue and Eight, uh, Al-Hakam obviously for those of our listeners mm-hmm. is a newspaper that's it's an internal around, new yeah. newspaper of the community and now you, yeah. if you go on Al-Hakam I think .org is it um, if, yeah. if you just type Al-Hakam on, on Google oh, you should, you'll find it should come up yeah. so this is a man who is who claims to be the Messiah, who's who's in a remote village of Qadian. Not many people know him. Yeah. And uh, as early as 1885, he is writing to prominent members around the world, not yeah. just within India, right. and 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 conveying them the, the the message that God Almighty has appointed me the reformer of this age. Yeah. And if you are to witness this sign, because everybody can claim to be something, mm. rather but rather uh, but one who's truthful he has to present you know proof and evidences for that mm. so he invited these individuals to come and uh, live at Qadian mm. it's, 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 it's a very um, you know to, to someone else it's a very sort of a strange proposal yeah. and, w- and you know one of the two peoples that did receive this um, is Mr. Charles Bradlaugh who was at the time um, you know here in the UK he was a politician um, someone who was an a- a- atheist, and he had, you know, um, basically started this this this, this movement. And at, at the time when he received this in- invitation, he was the MP of Northampton. This is what this was in eight, 1885. Okay. And then we also, f- you know, find a similar example um, where Henry Steele Olcott, um, who was one of the founding members, I believe, um, uh, you know, the head of the Theosophical Society, um, you know, uh, Henry Henry Steele Olcott. He also received this invitation. He published it in his uh, in his periodical called the Theosoph- uh, the Theosophist. So um, we've got we've got numerous examples of of the message of his, uh, the promised Messiah peace be upon him reaching uh, Britain. And it's it's interesting. It it goes into the point the Prophet Sallallahu says to them that if if a sign is not wit- witnessed in a prescribed you know period of time that you're coming here, because these people were going to come and live at his expense, yeah, right, then they will be recompensed. For the time in Qadian, and this, I think it was about uh, two hundred pound, per, uh, two hundred rupees per month at, at okay. the, you know, the time, which which was quite, you know. So this was the conviction that the promised Messiah, peace be, you know, upon him, had. But coming to the the topic and coming to the, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, when you gave this uh, mm-hmm. this this uh, background, I mean, it's so important because it started from there, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And now that we see, even at the time of the promised Messiah, you know, he was. He was in a village that literally yeah. nobody knew, right? Qadian, you mm-hmm. know, it started from there. And then mm-hmm. people started coming. 
um, mm-hmm. people started knowing about this. Yeah. And then he goes on to to challenge yeah, uh, yeah. powerful people, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, not just in in India uh, yeah. in that continent, but mm-hmm. we we see not in just in in Asia, but America, Europe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're gonna come to that. That there was uh, obviously this uh, powerful, uh, yeah. you know, uh, pretender yeah. um, in uh, in England, Pigot. Absolutely, you know? but Safir, before we do that, I think one of the reasons why I am, we're giving this context to this 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 prophecy. And that of others, with and Prophet explains this in relation to Vaid. Vaid in Arabic means warning. Yeah, prophecies are warning. They are they are they are part uh, and parcel of a prophet's prophecies. Mm. They are not be and and end all. They're not you know right. So so the, the purpose of giving this context is that the promised Messiah wasn't uh, the advent of the promised Messiah wasn't for the purpose of prophesizing people's deaths. Yeah, exactly. Right. This needs to be understood yes. very clearly. Yes. That was not the purpose. The, the initial purpose was to convey the message of Islam, which he did. So from 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 his initiation, Qadian, these letters are being sent, mm. right? And at the very beginning, it was about 8,000 English, mm. uh, you know, these letters, registered letters. It says wherever it was possible to be sent, yeah. they were sent, 8,000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've only even, I've only been able to find a few. But okay. still, they, they, they testify that the efforts that were being made from a remote village of Qadian. Yeah. And then we find, based on the efforts of the Promised Messiah Islam, yeah these individuals from the West actually coming and meeting him yeah. in Gardian. Which is it's, amazing. It's, yeah. it's remarkable that yeah. it's not a place of tourism. It's not, a, you know, and the Prophet Islam... He had no other attraction. And and he explains that this yeah. the roads to Gardian was such that people preferred to walk <laughs> instead yeah. of taking them in any mode of travel, right? And and that puts into perspective. Uh, and the and he was informed, you know, um, at, at, at the very beginning of his, 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 his mission that... Don't be, don't become tired, you know that God will make you known, and people c- will come, you know, yatuna min mm. The people will come from distant lands, that the path that they would tread upon would become deep. Yeah. And this uh, people saw who you know who who, who, who wit- wit- witnessed this at the time of yeah. the Promised Messiah. Yeah. But but going forward, we will give many examples of individuals that did come, in, especially in in relation to yeah. um, United States of America, exactly. because because we're cover covering. And that I think that that's something that we have um, mentioned before many times uh, on Voice of Islam, and and that is the essence of the coming of the promised Messiah. That mm-hmm. he came for people waiting for the Messiah, right? I mean, he came. There were Christians waiting. They're still waiting for for you know Jesus. That's a very good yes. point. Yeah. Jews still waiting for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Muslims still waiting from Imam Mahdi and Masih to come and guide mm-hmm. them. You know, and the promised Messiah, <coughs> as you mentioned, you know. He not only claimed, but he actually showed by his uh, by his example, his prayers, his signs, mm-hmm. plus obviously his um, all the books that he wrote, where he mm-hmm. defended Islam at, at at a time where Islam was, you know, uh, under attack from all around the world, and that's where we're going to come to that. Mm-hmm. Also from America, it was under attack. It was under attack from uh, you know Alexander Dowie. Whom we're going to talk about today, and obviously in relation to Zion. But before we do that, can if, I yeah. can I just just briefly uh, mention something? And this is with regards to, you know, of course, one of the one of the aspect of history at the time of the Prophet Islam. Yeah. You know, there there are various aspects. Is because it was British India. He was he was uh, challenging the Christian missionaries yeah. that were there. They were there with the intention of converting the the Muslim masses and the other to Christianity. That yeah. that was their intention. Yeah. 
And they were they were pure in their intentions, to be honest. If if they were Christians, that was the purpose that they went there for. Mm-hmm. But they used, you know, such language of of vilification against the Holy Prophet, you know, yeah. peace be upon him, that was not accepted to to especially the Promised Messiah, a person whom who sees in a vision that you know a an angel comes and points at him and says, "How's Rajul and Rasulullah?" He's mm-hmm. a man that loves the Holy Prophet, and and something very interesting that I do I do want to point out is you know you we often read about Promised Messiahs. And, you know, the Christian missionaries also reported this back to their missions that this guy is very hostile towards mm. Christianity. But the reality is he wasn't hostile. He was responding to the hostility of these Christian missionaries, mm. right? And, and and one of the quotations I do want to uh, mention is this was with regards to the Bishop of Lahore. Mm. He was in, invited to a debate because he did two lectures which, um, you know, were basically depicting only Isa salam to be innocent and all of the prophets to be sinners, mm. right? So he was challenged by Mufti Muhammad Sadiq, who was the companion of the Prophet Islam. So when, when uh, and, and one of uh, one of the reasons uh, that um, Bishop of Lahore gave n- not not to uh, you know proceed with this um, this, this invitation of debate with the Prophet Messiah is that um, you know he's very hostile towards Christianity. So when the Prophet Muhammad Islam was informed, the Prophet Islam said, and and this uh, Mufti Sahib was a companion, uh, and and those of America know him very well. So, you mm. know who was who was a pioneer in establishing the mission of you know Islam Ahmadiyat in USA mm. also here he says i do not look upon anyone in the world as my em- as my enemy mm. i hate not individuals but the false beliefs they entertain mm. as regards individuals uh, as with regards to individuals my feelings towards them are are of the utmost sympathy and good wishes mm. how can i then regard anyone as my enemy who enjoys respectability among his own core uh, uh, religionist and and is moreover honored for his position and learning. I love him. <laughs> Listen to this. He says yeah. about about the bishop. I love him though I do not like his doctrines, but my hatred towards these doctrines extend only so far as the attributes of God are ascribed to human beings and human faults and weaknesses to the Lord of the universe. So so the primary purpose, uh, Safir, is is so astonishing um, uh, to note, right? That the primary purpose. Of uh, of of prophets being sent is to establishes is to establish the unity of God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And 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 there, there's there's a hadith of 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 the, of the Holy Prophet وسلم, where I think it was Hazrat Muad radiAllahu where the Holy Prophet وسلم, asked him asked him Do you know what what the right of God is upon His servant mm. and what is the right of you know a servant upon His God? And 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 it it, it was the norm of you know the companions to say. Uh, you know, Allah and His prof- prof- Prophet knows best. Yeah. So the Holy Prophet speaks upon him said, the, uh, "To to worship uh, Allah and uh, to worship Him, Allah alone, and to join none in worship with Him, that's His right." Yeah. Okay. And then he goes, "Do you know what their right upon Him is?" Mm. I, 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 the be- believers. He said, "I replied, Allah and His Apostle knows best." It's yeah. astonishing these small things from the small, companions. Yeah. The Prophet peace be upon him said, "Not to punish them if they do so." Mm. Right, so so being being someone who claims to be, uh, you know, coming in fulfillment of holy pro- uh, the the holy prophet sallallahu prophecy, mm. the one of the primary purpose of Prophet Edwin was to establish un- unity, yeah, unity of God, yeah, exactly, and to bring people together under the under this you know original message from Absolutely. all religions that God sent that you know all prophets were sent with that message of unity of God and <coughs> to bring people close to God, and I think again, just to quickly mention on that, it was that obviously mm. that. The Promised Messiah has also mentioned in various places in his books that whenever mm. I have criticized Jesus, uh, al-Islam, peace be mm. upon him, it's not been 
because of him being a prophet or because mm-hmm. of any uh, you know of of his character i'm only talking about the jesus that they represent Absolutely. from the bible mm-hmm. or from you know their their view which mm-hmm. is not right mm-hmm. because there are so many things attributed to prophet jesus and other prophets that obviously um uh, is below the respect that they deserve Absolutely. and what islam and the holy quran represents mm-hmm. so um coming back to the um, the 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 message of the promised messiah alayhi salam uh, going far and across the world um obviously there were people who were interested then mm-hmm. there were people who were mm-hmm. um uh, jealous as well as people yes, who wanted yes. to 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 destroy islam <coughs> there were people who wanted to uh to to uh, to to not see um any anyone challenging their power or mm-hmm. their monopoly and this was also the case about uh, one particular uh, very powerful person in america his name was alexander dawi mm-hmm. um and we're going to talk about that uh, in more detail because he established this uh, this uh, city of zion mm-hmm. where he was based and obviously where his whole fame um fame was uh but we're going to talk about what happened mm-hmm. how it happened and now how beautifully we see that there is actually a mosque that belongs to the promised messiah which is now being inaugurated in that same city which is a huge huge sign for um the truthfulness um of the promised messiah but before we go into that let's uh, talk to somebody who's actually living there uh we have um um a dear friend our brother uh, Junaid Latif joining us um he's an African Ahmadi Muslim living in Zion um and he was born in New York but he grew up in New Jersey and then he moved to Zion in 2001 and uh, Junaid is joining us uh, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh brother Junaid thank you very much for joining how are you today wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh i'm doing great uh you know alhamdulillah these are uh, historic times for us Uh, in Zion, uh, as you said, we're having a mosque uh, built. So uh, everyone uh, in the Zion Jamaat is very excited and very engaged and working hard to host uh, the guests of the Promised Messiah. Yeah. Um, at our mosque here. Yeah. Mashallah, Alhamdulillah. I mean, I, I we we're just excited, obviously, listening and following the action, you know, from here, and um, you know, His Holiness uh, being there, you know, it just uh, adds to the excitement as well. Uh, but if I was to start with just uh you know discussing your move to zion um you grew up in new jersey uh, what made you move to zion um is is uh, that was in 2001 i believe right yes 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 that's exactly right um yeah it was it was very interesting um in 2000 actually uh our community held a program called uh uh messiah 2000 mm-hmm. uh where it was again highlighting um the prophecy of the promised messiah and um how it, it was so magnificently um shown true in Zion mm-hmm. uh so um i had visited zion in 2000 um of that uh, uh to you know, be part of this program and that was my first time to illinois my first time to zion and i was just uh you know we've heard the story kind of on the peripherals and uh so now it was just an opportunity to kind of see it up close and personal see the sites you know hear uh, a lot more de- the story in a lot more detail Um so uh uh fast forward a few months from then mm-hmm. um my mother uh introduced me to my uh current my now wife mm-hmm. uh through a mutual friend and I began a correspondence in early 2001 uh with my current wife and um by late 2001 uh 
uh, we had uh, uh, decided uh, to move forward with our with our marriage. And um, at the time, um, I was looking for work in New Jersey, and I said, well, uh, things don't seem to be panning out here, so I'm going to move to Illinois and, um, you know, see, you know, what prospects lie out there. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, you know, I was able to find a nice job and, um, you know, uh, uh, within a month or so, you know, ask, you know, uh, my father-in-law for his blessing and, um, you know, and my wife and I, uh, we eventually married in December of 2001. So, um, uh, you know, and that just started a, uh, an experience that, um, you know, it's just been one that's been growth and excitement and, you know, just, uh, uh, just, my own personal experience in 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 recognizing the truth mm-hmm. of the promised Messiah and how magnificently uh, his truth was established and how it's still being established today through the Jamaat that exists there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so that's uh, you know that's all I got from East Coast to Midwest. Yes, sir. Alhamdulillah. So um, you know, you being someone from you know you you know third generation American heritage, you know Ahmadis. Um, you know your father, Hadi Jalaluddin Abdul Latif Sahib. Um, you know what would you tell us uh, with regards to the history of your family coming to Ahmadiyat and accepting it? Where did it all start? How did you? Uh, how how did Ahmadiyat come into your fam- family? Yeah. So um, you know, for uh, me particularly, uh, my father converted in uh, the early seventies. Um, okay. You know, he grew up as a Methodist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, he joined the military and traveled the world, uh, in the, in, you know, in the sixties, early seventies, there was a lot of, uh, uh, exploration of, you know, different religions and ideas and concepts. It was, you know, a time of, uh, kind of revolution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father wasn't satisfied with a lot of the ideas and concepts and ideas on spirituality that he received as a young man. So he was searching. Mm-hmm. And um, he had begun to look into transcendentalism and uh, Sufi uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of his gave him a book called The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, mm-hmm. of course, by uh, Thomas Messiah, Islam. And uh, that book, he says, just uh, changed his life. It gave him uh, a perspective on the purpose of life and the, and the evolution of the human uh, soul. And, um, uh, and it really impacted him and it, it, it changed his direction in life and um, uh, my mother uh, who they'd been married uh, several years at that point uh, she saw this change that took place in him and she saw him becoming the man that she always hoped that he would be and um, but she saw him doing it you know, through another faith so she was born as a uh, uh, Pentecostal Christian Mm-hmm. Uh, so she um, had noticed this change in him, and she, uh, uh, you know, saw them going in different directions, and so she wanted to explore the religion as well. Mm-hmm. And not long afterwards, she converted as well to Islam, mm-hmm. and uh, they decided to raise their children um, as Muslims. So myself and my three siblings uh, were all raised as Ahmadi Muslims uh, here in America, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, on the other side of my family, my wife, she is, uh, you know, her grandfather had converted to Ahmadiyya back in the uh, 50s. Um, and, uh, you know, so her father uh, was Ahmadiyya. And um, so the third generation Ahmadiyya actually comes to our children mm-hmm. um, in our family. Alhamdulillah. Uh, so, um, one uh, one yeah. thing, uh, Brother Junaid, that's, that's very uh, astonishing, um, especially in the U.S., is the 
acceptance of Ahmadiyat uh, from an you know from an African background, and you know we find uh, you know s- uh, since since the coming of Hazrat Mufti Muhammad Sadiq Sahib, you know there's there's great history for you know people should go and read uh, the amount of work that that Mufti Sahib did. What could you tell us a bit more about that? You know, especially from the African diaspora, people you know coming and accepting Ahmadiyat. How much of effort uh, you know did Mufti Sahib put into place? And of course, missionaries that came after afterwards. What was it that 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 actually attracted them? You know, towards Islam, Ahmadiyat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, when we talked to the early pioneers, the ones who were you know around you know even before my father, mm-hmm. um, you know, they uh, were joining Ahmadiyat at the time of Jim Crow. Mm. and uh, racial segregation. And uh, what they saw in Islam was uh, a, a, a leveling of humanity. You know, they saw themselves seen as equal, and um, they liked the concept of, you know, everyone is equal and judged based on their deeds and, you know, not on the, the, the color of their skin or the nationality or where they came from or their social status and things like that. So that was a very attractive um, um, concept back in those times. And uh, so, uh, you know, so uh, early African-Americans really were drawn to that uh, concept and um, began to see themselves outside of the construct that America had established for people of African descent. And, um, uh, you know, so that uh, triggered uh, other movements uh, within uh, America uh, that uh, tried to help to uplift um, the, con- you know, the, the, the way African uh, diaspora people saw themselves. And so, um, you know, when we look back at history, we see that, you know, Ahmadiyat, the teachings of Ahmadiyat, you know, started, you know, the famous uh, black empowerment movements, uh, like uh, Nation of Islam, meaning the philosophy started it, you know, because it was a, it was, it was, it, a lot of it was an offshoot of um, what uh, uh, leaders in those communities had taken from uh, Ahmadiyat and, and, and turned into their own uh, social, you know, upliftment movements. And, um, you know, so, you know, we can, you, there's probably ways where we can tie back mm. uh, the civil rights movement, the, the, the racial awareness movement that happened in America uh, to the concepts that Islam uh, provided for Americans and uh, the largest missionary group and the most active missionary group mm. uh, in America at that time, a uh, Muslim missionary group was uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Hmm. Um, so it was a very rich and interesting history. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so my father, when he joined, um, it was just through friends, uh, you know, uh, predominantly African-American friends who, um, you know, had had this realization of, you know, what their potential was spiritually mm-hmm. uh, and how their potential was uh, the same as anyone else's. And it's just mm-hmm. a matter of how much effort you wanted to put into your, uh, your faith um, perspective. And uh, so that drew him to it and, uh, you know, created a little community that he was able to draw inspiration from Mm -hmm. and uh, eventually, um, you know, join Ahmadiyya after declaring that he would never follow anyone and never, you know, be part of any group. Absolutely. Uh, But once he saw that the Promised Messiah had delivered in the community that he created, uh, he couldn't help but become part of it. Um, one 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 thing I do want to ask you, you know, very briefly, of course, you've 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 uh, you know el- eloquently mentioned the efforts of our elders, the pioneers, how they were the means of you know uh, keeping this Islam and passing it on to their children. What do you think is our you know our responsibility is in this time, and how is the young generation, you know, in this day and age, particularly, you know, the day and age of social media and all of these distractions around them, 
how are they you know the seeing ahmadiyat and how do they you know go about it yeah it's uh you know you know we're all still in flux you know and i mean uh, social media is really a new concept right now and i think people are still really trying to navigate their ways through it and you know by the grace of allah you know we have uh young missionaries and um uh young people uh you know uh, through our um, muslim youth association that know how to engage with um our uh the young members the the youth uh in ways that they understand and that they're drawn to so um uh you know i think that that's key to keeping uh Ahmadiyya relevant and engaging with the kids in ways or the young people in ways that they can relate to and uh, be inspired by uh and uh we're seeing more and more of that you know just through how uh different children programs are uh created uh you know on MTA and then shared uh how MKA uh the Majlis Qadam al in whichever country you um look at in the way that they engage with um with their members uh you see that social media is uh you know a, a big part of that engagement and um you know it really helps us to keep um our young people uh uh in line with what it is that we're trying to uh instill in them and in line with what the khalifa has mm. uh instructed for his community uh to be Absolutely. Uh, so it's uh it, it it's, it's extremely important and you know and one thing what i notice is with our community is uh the uh the involvement of young people and it seems as you go to churches and other religious groups the majority of those groups are you know elderly people and folks who are uh you know up in age and uh uh not the you know it's it's not the 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 audience that will indicate that your community has any future and um you know when i look at Ahmadiyya and i see the involvement of the young people in different ways that they're engaged um you know you can tell that this community has a future mm. and uh uh inshallah you know uh this can be a, a guide a guideline for the rest of society to mm. follow and how to raise and nurture our young people absolutely um janay uh obviously the whole story of um, of of zion as well as um, obviously the historical um, aspect of the prophecy um, of course because of our many uh, non ahmadi non muslim in fact listeners who listen to voice of islam uh, very briefly um, could you kind of explain um, you know who this john alexander dawi was um, and 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 what kind of um you know uh w- what happened in terms of um uh, the response uh from from him against islam and the promised messiah and then uh, leading up to you know how 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 now things things are in terms of um, you know the success of the amdiya muslim community uh, in in zion uh yeah sure so um yeah that way he was uh uh evang- he was an evangelist uh, an american evangelist um who migrated um uh to the to Zion uh, eventually at the time it, it wasn't Zion it, it, it was a parcel of land in Illinois um that was owned by uh the neighboring Methodist church um and uh he purchased this land uh with the idea of building a Christian utopia that was directly between the two largest cities which were Milwaukee and Chicago and it was intended to be the next um largest city on the you know right you know conveniently located right on the beach of uh of Lake Michigan and his idea was that um he would build this uh this town on uh 
Christian um, uh, uh, philosophy and uh, mm-hmm. Christian ideals. So his the the way his uh, church was built, you know, the church was the center point of the town, and um, uh, and all the streets uh, emanated from that center point, and all the streets are named in biblical names and. Uh, uh, all of the uh, concepts and the, the rules and the laws that were dictated in the town were based off of uh, biblical understanding. Um, and eventually, uh, John Alexander Dowie, he was a great speaker. Uh, he built a huge following, and as that following grew, he began to see himself as the Elijah, uh, as the one who would herald the coming of the, the Christ, the second coming of Christ and um, also saw himself as the one who would uh, stamp out Islam in the world. Uh, he saw Islam as a threat to Christianity and to his worldview, and he saw himself as uh, uh, creating a mission that would, uh, that would, that would uh, span the globe that would eventually um, end uh, Islam in the world. And he would make statements um, uh, in his articles, which were published all over the world, about how he had this desire to destroy um, Islam. And uh, eventually those articles made their way to um, Qadian, India, where uh, the founder of our community was, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. And um, after hearing and reading these articles, uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed responded to, to Dawi saying, there's no need to destroy the entire Muslim world. Um, if you're, you know, all you have to do is, you know, focus your, efforts towards me. And if you're true, then God will show that truth by killing or, or destroying one of us in the lifetime of the other. Mm-hmm. And um, when, he, when the promised Messiah made this claim, he would, had put himself at a disadvantage because he was 10 years older than John Alexander Dowie um, and in a town uh, in India that was a, um, not an advanced um, town and uh, compared to Dowie and the riches that he had and the mm-hmm. medicine and the, uh, the opportunities that he had access to, uh, it was it seemed to be an obviously imbalanced um, challenge uh, in favor, definitely in favor of the younger John Alexander Dowie. So um, Dowie never uh, uh, directly accepted this claim, but uh, just in uh, in the Promised Messiah. Uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed said that the claim didn't necessarily need to be accepted. He just needed to continue on his mission of uh, trying to uh, denigrate the Holy Prophet Wasallam, and uh, and trying to destroy, destroy the religion of Islam. And if he mm. continued on that path, that was an indication that, that, his, uh, yes. uh, yeah. that he had continued with this, uh, that mm-hmm. he had accepted this challenge, mm-hmm. uh, and that he was willing to take on God's judgment. Mm-hmm. And um, what eventually happened was, uh, uh, as Promised Messiah had predicted, uh, God made his judgment, and uh, Dowie uh, uh, suffered uh, 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 trial after trial. His, um, uh, it was uncovered that uh, many of the vices that he had spoke against, he was actually engaged in. Uh, he found out he was uh, uh, squandering the money of the city, uh, and eventually he began to have strokes. Um, uh, upon which, you know, he was uh, paralyzed and eventually died in a, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a in a very painful and um, in, 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 in much agony. Uh, so it was shown uh, 
so this story had been captured by media from all over the world. Uh, when Promised Messiah made the claim, he pronounced this throughout the world. So everyone was had been watching this uh, to see what would transpire. And um, on the death of Dowie, uh, newspapers from around the world uh, declared that uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed was great in this uh, uh, in this endeavor, and that he um, was uh, proven victorious. Um, and uh, therefore, a great sign was uh, made to the West to show that the promised Messiah had truly come, uh, and that his claims were actually true. Um, so, uh, in recognition, uh, in recognition of that, uh, the, 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 the the Jamaat, the community in uh, the, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, USA, has. Uh, repeatedly tried to make sure that this message was given to the Western world, and that they would, that this message, this revelation, is not um, taken lightly, and it's understood mm-hmm. to show that uh, a promise, uh, the, the second coming of Jesus, has happened, mm-hmm. and uh, the revolution that is intended to come with it is at hand, and that it, revolution is happening within. Uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Exactly. And, the uh, efforts of the Ahmadiyya and, and, and this obviously mosque now being inaugurated in uh, Zion, of course, is going to be another uh, way to you know spread that message, as you have said. Uh, Brother Junaid, thank you so much. Yeah. Allah bless you for uh, giving us your time. And obviously, you are so lucky you're witnessing this Amen. truly historic moment you know, with your own eyes. So we can only uh, envy you, but also, uh, again, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, Allah bless you for your time, brother. Thank you very much for your time. Jazakallah. Jazakallah. We're going to go straight uh, next to our um, our next guest, um, Falah Shams, uh, who is um, the uh, Vice President of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, joining us from the United States. Um, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Falah Sahib. Thank you very much for uh, joining us here on Voice of Islam. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Walaikum Islam. Uh, I mean, it's such a historic moment. Um, we we know that His Holiness, uh, by the grace of Allah, is uh, there in Zion. Um, he, um, you know, is uh, opening the mosque. Um, um, obviously, tomorrow on Friday, uh, I'm sure the whole world as well will officially know through the Friday sermon of uh, His Holiness. Um, this is a huge blessing, isn't it, for the community and a great sign yes, uh, of, of the truthfulness of the promised Messiah. Yes, of course, it is, it's been a long time. And uh, especially um, personal, uh, on a personal note, um, mm-hmm. uh, this, is the, this is the town where um, when I got married, the, I bought my first house in, in Zion. So, uh, and since that time, uh, mm-hmm. people have been talking about building a mosque here. Mm-hmm. And we have had a mission house here, but not uh, actually uh, any building in the shape of a mosque. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, in 2018, uh, our Amir Sahib, Sahib Zad Amir Zad Makhoor Amir Sahib, established a, a Zion Mosque Committee, uh, and I was the chairman of that committee. And to look into uh, what size uh, of uh, mosque we should build, mm-hmm. uh, so we started to work on that. And mm-hmm. then uh, we went through a few stages, uh, and uh, actually in, in 2020, we reformed the design committee uh, and with, a, with another different design. And uh, so that is the design that you see uh, actually built. Uh, so in 2020, we redid the drawings 
uh, we worked, uh, you know, on the on the cost factors and, and to see uh, how we can uh, manage this this project. So in uh, March of 2021 is when the construction started on this mosque. Mm. And uh, so now you can see that uh, we just finished it uh, actually in September in the current month. Mm. And uh, Hazur is uh, very pleased uh, by looking at this mosque and he's expressed that uh, he, you know as as this is a is a beautiful mosque uh, and uh, he enjoyed looking at it and uh, when he came here at night it was all uh, with the lights on and mm. uh, yeah. you know and with all crowds around uh, it was a wonderful experience yeah. for everyone uh, to see the dream come true to Absolutely. have this uh, in the city of Zion you know? mm. Absolutely. Uh, I, I remember, I mean, we, we saw the pictures as yes. well of the mosque. And you know, we were all wishing we were there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the interesting part of it is, and, and, and I always say, is that the, that the prophecy of the Promised Messiah was not limited to the death of an individual. I think that, that, that right. we need to understand. It, it, it had a greater yeah. si- significance that, that we're seeing now that, in you know, of course, Jamaat being established, many Hamadis moving in that particular city. Mm. Uh, and then for this mosque to come about, and now you know th- that mosque, and 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 of course being called the Great Victory, as I Fatih Azim, right? It just puts everything into perspective. And and someone living in 2022 has you know uh, no way out in a way. He can he, he can look at the life of the Prophet and judge for himself what the prophecies were, how they came about. Yeah. You know every word. Yes, this uh, this mosque. Uh, just to give you some basic information, mm-hmm. uh, this is a total of about twelve thousand five hundred square feet building, mm-hmm. um, and um, the prayer area will hold about um, one hundred and sixty people, uh, and then we have a hall in the in the basement, uh, which is about twenty four hundred square feet. Mm-hmm. So actually, uh, you know, another three hundred uh, plus people can can say the salat there if it was needed. But we have made it as, as a general purpose hall where we can have interfaith conferences and other programs for ladies and men. Now, uh, we also, as part of the uh, uh, mosque, we have an exhibition hall in this mosque. And we have a separate entrance uh, to, the, to the hall. So we have uh, entrance for men, and then we have entrance for ladies. And then in the middle, we have entrance to the exhibition hall. In the exhibition hall, we have um, a team uh, of everything that had to do with that prophecy and the fulfillment of it. So uh, it starts out with the who Dawi was and uh, and how the conversation started uh, between Dawi and, and the uh, Prophet Messiah al-Islam, and then uh, how his reaction was. It's, it's all shown uh, as, as a running uh, running movie, you know, kind of thing, running slides. Mm. Uh, in then uh, you, as you walk all around the exhibition hall in, within the room, the, then you get the whole story, and it ends up with the um, with the newspaper cuttings of the victory of the Prophet Messiah Islam and his prophecy. Mm. And uh, we have an interactive uh, map of the uh, world uh, on a screen where you can just touch the country or, or the state mm. and the new cutting from that place shows up on the screen right there so um, so people can see uh, how the news uh, we have like about 160 newspaper clippings from around the globe who covered this prophecy fulfillment uh, and and saying that uh, the problem is Islam 
was the victorious one and in, his, in this prayer duel that he had uh, with, with Alexander Dowie. Mm. So it's a wonderful thing to see uh, in this exhibition hall and people are really enjoying it. Uh, plus, we also got an, uh, an added gift, which is um, that Promise Messiah al-Islam's actual coat is on display in that exhibition hall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I saw uh, some pictures of that. That's true, yes. That'll be actually yeah. very nice. I mean, we're, we're obviously looking forward to the pictures and the videos that we'll be seeing through MTA uh, Muslim Television Ahmadiyya as well. Um, but again, you're you're very blessed and lucky to be able to see that by yourself. Um, yeah, Alhamdulillah. I wanted to ask you, uh, Falah, that uh, what what are the people of Zion? I mean, what are their um, views of uh, of this? I mean, do they mm. remember the history? Do they know the background? And now that the mosque is is there, do they understand? Uh, you know what the history behind it is. I don't think that the general population uh, knows that much about Dr. Dawi. Uh, they just know that uh, he was the founder of the city. Mm. Uh, now, there is a historical society <coughs> who manages uh, his residence. Mm -hmm. And you can go, uh, and I think they charge you like $5, and, and, and they can give you a tour of that, uh, of that whole house, which is, uh, you know, a huge house and with, with a lot of, um, you know, pictures and uh, magazines, uh, his, his magazines, and historical uh, artifacts and, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And they will tell you the same things that um, how he was the spiritual guide and, and uh, what he claimed to be and all of that stuff. They, they explain all that stuff. But uh, the general public, uh, they don't belong to his church anymore. See, his, his church was basically um, finished and destroyed. That, that's what actually happened. Mm. And uh, it is the, uh, the opposing uh, people uh, who had sued him in the courts and won the cases mm -hmm. against him, and the, so he had to file bankruptcy, mm -hmm. and then they took over the church. Now, okay. eventually, the, that church was burned down, and they built a new church in the same location, mm -hmm. uh, where you know, all the streets then emanate from there. Mm -hmm. uh, but but uh, that's not his church anymore. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're just uh, you know uh, just solid Christian uh, people, mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, Zion has a, a good mix of population with African Americans and the white people, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so, uh, but but all of them, uh, they're basically Christian people, and uh, they they I don't think that uh, they, they relate to Dr. Dowie as their spiritual guide. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, I have not uh, seen uh, you know talking to people or my neighbors when I lived here. Uh, they ever. I, I did not hear ever them mm -hmm. talking about <clears throat> him as being their spiritual guide or spiritual leader or, you know, a reformist or anything like that. Mm -hmm. and the, uh, the only reference point was that, um, you know, he's, uh, he was the one who established and, and he had good intentions. And then uh, at the end, uh, you know, he, uh, his mind went, uh, you know, mad or whatever, and he started... Uh, talking about different claims and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Some of the people who, who read history, that's how they present that story. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I, I don't even think they, they know where his, where his tomb is in, in, the, in the cemetery here. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, he's not affected. Now, the, the, what he established, there were many good things that he established in this town. For example, for up until 1970s, uh, there was no liquor sales or bars uh, in, in, the, in the Zion city. Mm -hmm. It was against the law to do that, uh, you know, and 
but then after that uh, in the 1970s uh, the city council uh, started allowing it and uh, then this then they started uh, have sale of liquor and and so on and so forth mm. uh, so i mean there, there were his intentions were good when he started out but uh, when he started making his false claims and mm-hmm. and it was time that uh, god's messenger was in india and and, uh, and and when the god you know news got to him mm-hmm. and and he stood up against him that's that's where his fault came yeah. and then his whole as far as i can see his, his real uh his his uh, real church they were all destroyed uh, i mean this was a fulfillment of the prophecy of the uh, of the cross being broken uh, and for the not only for the united states but also as the problems i have asked they did this for the whole world as it's a sign for the whole world absolutely falashams uh, vice president of the md muslim community joining us from the united states from zion thank you very much jazakallah mm-hmm. for your time sir jazakallah for having me assalamu alaikum warahmatullah walaikum Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. What an inspiring, uh, you know, piece of history that we are witnessing, uh, Rahil. Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, just to uh, just to you know, point to perspective and un- un- understand from from their perspective, those people that are living there. Hmm. It's there's here's an individual hundred or so years ago who was who was the life of that town. Yeah, is forgot- founded that town. Who yes. founded that town is forgotten in the pages of history that people don't even know where his tomb is. and and he's only uh, and he's mostly brought up by the ahmadis mm. by by the followers of the promised messiah yeah and 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 the only significance that he ever receives is is because of them yeah. because he became, because he was the opponent of the promised messiah <laughs> exactly. it's so it's so it's so astonishing but but one thing which which um um uh, respected falashamsa was was stating with regards to you know him him doing something positive mm. it's in, in, interesting that he you know he prohibited alcohol for other people but he himself was an alcoholic mm. This, this 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 was later later to be found yes and and uh, and, and, and one of one of the other other things that we come across is that the very thing that he accused the holy prophet peace be upon him of nauzubillah we say god forbid of being a womanizer and uh, and uh, you know and also all those other other things he was charged for those very things yes he was caught out to be you know uh, mm-hmm. he was caught on those very very things and i also want to mention one thing that mm-hmm. exactly what you said that mm-hmm. god you know um, showed an example by 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 pointing out those things mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. him within him so for example he said that um when 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 the challenge from the promised messiah came that he should not talk talk about the prophet like this mm-hmm. and he should uh, not be abusive towards islam mm-hmm. he said that Do you imagine that I shall reply to such uh, flies and gnats? Mm. If I were to put down my foot on them, I would crush out their lives. Uh, I give them a chance to fly away and live. Mm. And and this is not just a normal person or a normal priest who who go about teaching or preaching. This is a guy who had such hatred for Islam and yeah. challenged the promised yeah, Messiah, so you, right? You know, in nineteen or I think eight, and he he go paralyzed on his feet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, he uh, paralysis. Of course, yeah. uh, we don't have much time, but I, I do want to state this b- 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 before we go to the news. There was a couple that came to Kardian in 1908. Um, mm. Mr. George Turner, I think his name was, and 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 his and and his lady, and they came from. I think they knew the prophecy of Dawi. So when they came, they asked upon the side these questions that you you made a prophecy of Dawi, and and they kept on saying, oh, yeah, we want to hear more. about your prophecies from Sahih said you've come from the city you've come from such distant land yeah right when god told me that this place where where this place in his eyes was of insignificance look how he's responding to prophecies yeah. right? what made you come to this town you are you are the fulfillment of that prophecy yeah. you're coming from that town and you saw how people 
loved and adored the, adored this individual, gave him their their wealth, right, and everything, and you know what it came to. So this individual actually came from the U.S., met the Prophet Society, and asked various questions, and 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 this this is this 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 what this is what the answer answer of the Prophet Society was, that judge me on the criterion that you have for judging Jesus hmm. or the Holy Prophet peace be upon him yeah. or all of those other messengers that have come before you know why do you ask for some you know some some extra uh, some, some new sign or extra, extra ordinary sign yeah. right because the criterion has to be the same yeah, exactly. if, if, if there's a prophet that, that's coming and say I'm a prophet then the criterion of course has to be the same but of course we have much to cover um, I don't think this, this to- topic <laughs> can ever be given justice we, to in, will, in one hour. We will cover it uh, definitely again uh, as well and we'll continue for a little bit more uh, after the news. Um, if you wish to uh, join in in the conversation, of course, uh, the number is always 0208-687-7878. Um, we're talking about uh, a uh, fierce opponent of the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, whose name was Alexander Dawi. If you're just tuning in, um, mm-hmm. this is the background, the history. And now, by the grace of Allah, in that very town that he founded, um, to destroy and he claimed to be the one who could destroy Islam um, there is a mosque uh, literally a mosque um, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community being opened in Zion city and the successor the caliph uh, of the promised Messiah is at the moment there you know inaugurating and uh, you know spreading the message of Islam there so what a, what what greater way um, you know to 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 see the fulfillment of the promised Messiah um, prophecy uh, but in this way. But we'll take a short break uh, for the news. Join us after the news as we continue this topic. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Voice of Islam Radio. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Welcome back to the second hour of Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam. In the first hour, we've been discussing a fulfillment of a grand prophecy of the Promised Messiah, salam, with regards to John, uh, with regards to Alexander, uh, Alexander Dawi of uh, Zion, Illinois. And uh, you know we discussed um, the historical, uh, the 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 history, the historical importance. We also spoke to um, two very eminent guests from, from from Zion, and 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 the purpose of 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 doing this program because this this is well known in the history of the Amdi Muslim community, um, is the fact that now by the grace of God, um, you know there is there is this historic groundbreaking 
you know, opening of, of a first mosque to be built in Zion, Illinois. And it's being inaugurated by His Holiness, the current Caliph, Khalifa of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Um, and, 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 and this coming Friday sermon, uh, you know, he would del- del- deliver a sermon from there. So we have spoken about, you know, the great significance, uh, you know, of this prophecy. Uh, we've covered historical elements. Of course, we can't cover um, everything in, in, in relation to the prophecy, the chronological, uh, you know, presentation of it. Let's, let's say every little detail, um, every uh, message that was sent by Dawi or the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and also the the you know, the the global press coverage that this this challenge of the Promised Messiah, uh, you know, peace be upon him, you know, actually you know uh, you know achieved at that time. But but one thing uh, we do know is the fact that this this was a grand prophecy. This was this served as one of the means of 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 conveying the message of Islam to the Western public. Um, and I was mentioning at the beginning of the program that that uh, the purpose of the Promised Messiah's advent was not to you know prophesy about people's death. Uh, rather, this is one of the signs and and and, and fundamentals uh, mentioned in the Holy Quran that those who claim false those who, those who falsely claim to be uh, divinely appointed by God are punished by God. And it is said that كَتَبَ اللَّهُ In Surah Mujadila, Allah Almighty says that Allah has decreed that I and my messengers will surely prevail. Uh, and then in, in Surah Al-Haqqa, the, the, you know, Allah Almighty speaks about uh, you know, that, that those, those individuals who claim something from God, whereas Allah Almighty has not uh, told them uh, or hasn't revealed to them that, then such individuals are destroyed. And, and this is uh, this is was this 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 was the case as we had mentioned about um, Alexander Dowie, who you know who was written to in 1902, just sum- summarizing here, um, and and he was he was at the time you know prophesying about prophesizing about the destruction of Islam, uh, you know writing uh, very ill about the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, um, and uh, the Promised Messiah wrote to him and, and and basically simply said that you don't have to destroy the entire Islam you should come come against me. Uh, someone who claims to be uh, the representative of, of Islam in this day and age, and someone who claims to be the Messiah and Mahdi sent by uh, Allah the Almighty. So, uh, you know, uh, so th- th- in in I think 1905 he was struck uh, with, with paralysis when he was, you know, uh, planning for the, the 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 biggest evangelical trip at the time from from his city to uh, Madison Square Garden, and and you can you can read much of that detail on. On Ali Al Islam, there are various. There's books, you know, specifically published on that as well. Um, so at the end, uh, you know, he was basically uh, was uh, his followers deserted him you know, after finding out that he had, you know, embezzled about uh, 2.5 million dollars uh, and you know, living a lustful life, having a relationship with many women, uh, who, who you know, an individual who was an alcoholic. Um, and so, the, with this, you know, uh, with this, uh, this, this, this stroke of paralysis, which, which then continued and worsened, he, 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 at the end, died, you know, with utter, you know, disgrace, um, in March 1907, fulfilling the prophecy of the Promised Messiah, And this was um, something that was published over 30 newspapers in the U.S. and and one of the uh, you know, one of the most famous, uh, you know, newspapers that we know of, actually, uh, you know, when Dawi passed, when, when Dawi, Dawi died, um, published that great is Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the Messiah, 
who foretold pathetic end of Dawi and how he predicts plague. So we're coming to the end of the first hour. Uh, we have discussed, uh, you know, of course, the prophecy as well as how Islam reached in the West and the greatest significance of that. And and, and many of the individuals I'm, 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 I must mention here before going to the second, second program, uh, you know, many, many American and, you know, one of the most uh, known, uh, you know, American converts to Islam is Alexander Russell Webb. Maybe we'll do another program on that. And the interesting fact is that he was someone who had come to Islam or he was introduced to Islam through the writings of the Promised Messiah as early as 1885 and 1886. And then he starts his correspondence with the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. So there are numerous, uh, you know, examples that can be given. And, and, and it's it's uh, a history of great significance and puts into perspective that a man sit, sitting in a small hamlet of Qadian with meager means, with, with not much, much, much followers, is able to achieve this much. And this, this could only happen through the support and succor of Allah the Almighty. Uh, and uh, this is it from us with regards to the, the first program. Um, if you haven't listened, if you've missed out, you can always uh, come back to the Voice of Islam website and listen back to the program. And it's not the only time we'll be doing this, these, these sort of historic uh, programs about the prophecies of the Prophet Islam. We will we'll continue to do this and, and hopefully in future we'll come with a lot more detail. So, Brother... Fahim, assalamu alaikum. I'm joining you for the second hour. Um, and yeah, we'll be uh, discussing uh, a very different topic, but mm-hmm. also an equally um, important topic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the healthy heart, the beat goes on. Mm. Um, given that it was World Heart Day um, on the 29th of September, which is today, I just needed to double check that. <laughs> um, that's celebrated every year and cardia- mm. cardiovascular disease is accountable for nearly half of all non-communicable disease deaths, making it the world's number one killer. So it's definitely a really important subject. So we're going to discuss that today, understand, you know, what maybe learn a bit more about the heart, understanding how, you know, you can uh, see some warnings of heart disease and, you know, more about the purpose of the day, World Heart Day, and, and what it brings. Mm-hmm. So um, just to start off, uh, we wanted to discuss more about, you know, in May t- 2012, world leaders committed to actually reducing global mortality from non-communicable diseases mm-hmm. uh, by 25% by 2025. Mm-hmm. Now, it's 2022. That's not far off, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. and, and this is why the World Heart Day is the perfect platform you know, to fight against cardiovascular disease. Um, so in today's show, we're going to discuss and why it's important to keep your heart healthy, um, how you can do it and how you can potentially uh, minimize the risk of heart disease. Because, you know, why is this relevant to Islam? Well, Islam in- teaches you to stay in good physical health. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Holy Quran, uh, Allah states in chapter 7, verse 32, that, O children of Adam, look to your adornment at every time and place of worship and eat and drink, but exceed not the bounds. Surely <coughs> he does not love those who exceed the bounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking after and not being indulgent and making sure that you keep, you know, your body healthy, uh, is, is is a teaching of Islam. And I think we're going to talk more about the heart, right? You've got some uh, important uh, yeah. and interesting facts about that. Yeah, of course. Heart. I mean, but before we discuss, I think the, 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 the Islamic element that you've mentioned is so, so important. And, you know, since a very young age, our, 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 you know, mothers and fathers who've, you know, who've spent their time and effort in trying to make us understand in this Western society what Islam is and, you know, what it sort of 
rep represents. Um, I mean, we've always been told that this, and it often is, is, is looked at as an extreme sort of faith, right? And, and the way it's presented in media and stuff like that. But when you actually study, it's, it's, it's to that, you know, it's actually basically on the other side, it's, it's is is uh, to the, is contrary to you know what's 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 being presented. Muslims are being told to be you know of uh, Muslims are those ummat and wasata and the, the word that's been used in the Quran. People of the mid- middle way, yeah, right. Um, you know the, the word moderate Muslims always you, you know you hear these 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 I terms. I, I dislike that term. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. So moderate Muslims and Muslims. I mean there's no such thing as moderate. I mean you, you're you're basically a Muslim and and yeah. and, and and we say that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is example. His his life. Is and 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 we present this as a claim. We always mention this. Says he's the best of examples, mm-hmm. and it's not just us saying it, but they are, you know, those who have, uh, with their unbiased mind, have studied the Prophet, have have come to the same conclusion. But how he ate, we're speaking about well, heart day nutrition. How, how what 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 was his diet? Yeah. What was his activity like? What was he at home? How was he sleeping? How was he waking up? Yeah. The smallest and minutest of details have been covered in the books of Sirah, right? And 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 great effort has been put. Uh, you know, by early, um, uh, you know, uh, scholars of hadith. Yeah. You know, hadith meaning the the oral tra- 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 tradition of the prophet, and also his sunnah. Sunnah is some, something once I explains uh, is different from hadith, right? It's not something that's written, but sunnah is is a practical example that was passed on. Yeah. So a father taught his child, his child then grew up. It's also and like just continued. the application, right? Absolutely. Like, you yeah. know, it's not just um, an instruction or a guidance. It's a it's an actual practical. It's like this is what the prophet did. You know, yeah, and also that. the the benefit side of it. So yeah. when one 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 follows that example and 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 sees benefit, that sort of you know becomes his conviction. Yeah, because yeah. it's practicing what what was preached, right? Exactly. And I think that that that's often you know people bark out instructions or give guidance, saying that oh this is what you should do, but are they doing it themselves? And I think mm. that that's where you know following the sunnah as well is is really important and, and mm. you know it does two things it, it tells you what it is and how to do it absolutely but no we we're asking on on our, on our instagram page uh, we, we usually do that um uh, today's question is are you worried about your heart health and i'll be concerned here about 74 percent people have said yes yeah uh, what's happening i mean after covid nobody's you know going out well, for walks or runs or what's happening know, everyone got healthy during COVID <laughs> but it's, it's gone back to the old ways yeah that's a bit worrying 74% do, mm. do DM us and tell us why you're worried <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah no it, it's it's important and I think that you know um, the best way to uh, improve your health is to learn about the body I think if you understand it like you know any sort of failure always happens from a lack of understanding any mm-hmm. sort of fear comes from a lack of understanding so it's that's why you know we've got some interesting things about the heart that uh, I'd like to share because mm-hmm. you know some of these I've, I've, I've learned myself you of know the, the human heart is only the size of a fist but it's actually the strongest muscle in the body whose fist though oh <laughs> Maybe maybe it's Some your fist. Look at your, your fist. fist. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's whoever your heart is as big as your own fist. Okay. Maybe it's like that. Who probably, knows? <laughs> probably. Um but with every heartbeat the heart pumps blood around the body. Um the pumped blood carries oxygen and nutrients to tissues and organs through the blood vessels while carrying away metabolic waste such as carbon dioxide. The heart beats around 100,000 times and pumps up to 7,500 litres of blood every day. Did you know that that is happening inside you every single day? Like, 
you know so when you sit there and think about it for a second mm-hmm. you know you, you're walking through life you, you don't think about these things so it's mm-hmm. really nice to understand this and uh, learn more about it and one in three covid deaths actually um no cvd deaths sorry um occur prematurely in people under 70 years of age mm-hmm. um and 85% of CVD deaths are due to heart attack and stroke. Um, mm-hmm. CVD, of course, cardiovascular, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, according to Hadith as well, um, the, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mm-hmm. uh, there is an organ in the body <coughs> when when it is healthy, the whole body is healthy. And when it this is sick, the entire body becomes sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that you know it's clearly such a important part of your body. Um, making sure that your your heart stays healthy is is truly um, integral to mm-hmm. your daily life, your your health, and mm-hmm. you know I always believe that health is wealth. So for me, it's it's, it's also comes down to if you keep your health, uh, that that's the best wealth you can have is is having good health, right? Absolutely, I think, and, and there, there, there's there's another hadith we're speaking about hadith of the Prophet, where he says, uh, you know, two things that a believer doesn't really uh, give any worth to before it's too late. One is health, and the second is time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right. So it 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 just uh, puts into perspective that yes, and it does make you think. And and of, you know, I would say honestly, I'm I'm guilty of that as well. As, you know, scrolling through social media, seeing other people working out and stuff, and you're sitting on your couch. <laughs> Um, I think I think take whatever opportunity that you have at hand. Um, you know, we 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 can never be perfect. You know, instead of you know procrastinating, that you know sitting there trying to you know think how get your head around it. And you know, one of the things I was listening to, I think last night, there's a podcast speaking about how ten thousand steps a day uh, can help you lose weight, and you know at, at a steady pace, yeah. right? And a lot of people are doing it. You know, one of the, some people if some people can't run, they can't. Um, you know, uh, sprint or you know, do all of these exercises. Simple, simple. They can do they can, things they can do. Then walk. Yeah. I mean, we know that people, let's say, you know, hundred years ago or, or before the time of the Holy Prophet, let's say, they walked for miles. Yeah. Right. And that that was one and one one of the means of them keeping you know fit and 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 healthy. And the other thing is nutrition. I think we're consuming way more than we need. Hmm. <laughs> Way you t- so you go into the well. yeah you go into the supermarket and you you, you end up picking up things that you want really th- that that won't even on your mind on your list. A pro tip: don't ever go when you're hungry. <laughs> Say you you spend more money and you buy things that you don't actually need. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do. I mean, we are gonna be speaking uh, you know much more on this. But we do have uh, on the line our first guest. Uh, we have Christina Robertson. Uh, and uh, yeah, she's a family nurse practitioner, right? Okay, and, yes. and psychiatric and family nurse practitioner, mm. both uh, work at. Um, I think we we were going to have Crystal Montague, but she's not. She's she's not. Uh, she hasn't come on, uh, unfortunately. So we only have Christina Robertson at this, at this moment in time with this short introduction. Uh, Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Um, what could you, you know, tell us about mindful innovations, you know, such as purposes and aims? Okay. Um, well, my colleague, Crystal Montague, she's actually tied up in patient care, so I'm sorry she wasn't able to step in. Okay. But um, our um, 
healthcare company here, Mindful Innovations, we provide integrated behavioral health care, meaning um, we address mental health and we integrate that with primary care. Mm-hmm. Our mission is simply we're committed to the wellness of individuals, their families, and the community with focus on prevention, intervention, as well as treatment and education. Great. And so what, what, is, the, what is the correlation between mental well-being and, and a healthy heart? So when it comes to mental well-being and healthy heart, everything goes together. Um, For instance, if I give you an example talking about a Coke bottle, everybody's familiar with a Coke bottle. Hmm. You take a Coke bottle and begin to shake it up, um, you know that pressure builds up. And if you try to open it quickly, it's going to explode. You're going to have a big mess. And so we're kind of like these Coke bottles that walk around, and we deal with stress. But a lot of it has to do with how we manage that stress. So instead of opening the Coke bottle slowly or even perhaps um, opening it all at one time, when we deal with stress and accumulate that, that stress and issues that affect our mental health and our mood, instead of carrying it all day and then exploding at the end of the day, we can always do things during the day to kind of release that stress so that we don't have those big explosions. But I mentioned that just to use that as an example for how mental health um, affects our physical health. The biggest thing is that stress contributes, or if we want to say it prompts, different hormones to be released in our body. Um, And of course, when we're stressed, those hormones are needed initially when you start thinking about fight or flight. But we should not walk around in a continual state, um, kind of on that adrenaline high. We need to, the body should be stressed, and there's good stress and bad stress, and then it should calm down. But when we are in continual straight states of stress, our body begins to produce cortisol, Mm -hmm. which is a hormone. And this is the physical kind of link between it. And when those cortisol hormones when that particular cortisol hormone um, is elevated and you're dealing with prolonged stress, that causes even platelets to be hyperactive, so you can increase kind of essentially your risk um, to have different clots, um, heart attack, stroke. Um, it causes inflammation in your vessels. Hmm. Um, it causes elevated blood pressure and elevated heart rate. So if you're walking around because of altered mood, Um, issues with mental health that aren't being addressed, those things have a physical effect on your body that then manifest as elevated um, blood pressure, elevated risk for heart disease and stroke and heart attack. And so there is research that documents this relationship. This is really interesting. I really liked your metaphor for the... um for the Coke bottle uh, and, and mm-hmm. the stress being, you know, a, a Coke bottle that's being shaken. And so um, what group is, is at higher risk of heart disease and, and why is that so? Okay. So when you look at higher risk of heart disease, you're looking at particularly people of color. So mm-hmm. you're looking at black and brown. Um, and then there are also other factors that may contribute towards um, those risk factors. But a lot of it is tied to race and ethnicity. And in those groups, a lot of it is specifically due to social determinants. Mm -hmm. When you start looking at economic stability and when you start thinking about 
um, income levels, and obviously income affects health. When you start thinking about education and access to education and the quality of education, research has shown that, you know, persons with higher incomes, persons with higher educational attainment, these are kind of indicators to an extent with regards to risk among persons who have more heart disease among populations. Also, access to health care. Again, and these things are tied to economic stability. You've also got to look at where people live. Mm. Um, when we sometimes in research collect data and we're looking at zip code data, a lot of that comes to the living conditions. If I live in a neighborhood where it's okay and safe and I have space to go and walk versus living in a neighborhood where it's not safe for me to go outside and walk for exercise to get my 10,000 steps. Mm. The other component that's also important is social context and community. This is another social determinant. But when you look at populations who have support systems, who have family and friends that um, support them in reaching their health-related goals, mm -hmm. that social context and support is extremely important. So when you start looking at those social determinants, um, you begin to factor in um, so issues of social justice, and you're looking at populations that are at increased risk, and a lot of it is really tied to social determinants. And not only those determinants, but when you also look at how we provide care, mm -hmm. you look at some of the issues in the healthcare system where there are inequities that we need to address mm -hmm. so that everyone receives equitable care. So yeah. that's kind of um, a glimpse of who's mm -hmm. more at risk and why. Very interesting. Um, I mean, how do you then go about um, you know, approaching patients for their best outcomes? So I would say it really has to be one patient-centered. Mm. You have to, um, me as the clinician, I bring to the table my experience mm -hmm. um, and my expertise and also the evidence. I bring to the table what the latest evidence says, what the research is showing us about how we need to care for people. And even with that, I still have to deliver that in a manner that is cognizant of my patient's perspective. So even though the evidence says, even recently seeing a patient looking at their risk for a heart attack and stroke within the next 10 years and saying your risk compared to the general population is here, whereas it should be here. And so getting a sense for how they feel about that and then talking about what the science says with regards to what's recommended and talking to the patient, not just me in a very paternalistic attitude, you need to do this and you need to, to do that, but mm -hmm. talking about what is recommended and what can you do, meeting them where they are, what is realistic. Me talking to someone who is homeless mm -hmm. um, or low socioeconomic status and talking to them about diet and exercise, they may not live in a community where they can exercise. They may not live um, or have access to be able to afford a gym membership mm -hmm. um, or even homeless population, they have to eat whatever food is provided them when they go to the shelter. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they can't factor in the food prep and the low salt and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. remaining patient-centered, um, I think, is important when it comes to addressing physical as well as mental health. Very interesting. I mean, what what sort of let's say you know uh, the, the the picture you've drawn about you know in the less fortunate individuals of society um, when they do come to you, what are some of the practical steps that you tell them? I mean, someone living in 
someone let's say who's in homeless or uh, you know someone who's living in a you know deprived society you know deprived neighborhood what sort of sort of practical steps do you, do you tell them so we do focus on what they can do so we look at um, where they do have choices mm-hmm. where you do have choices between um, let's say drinking three mm-hmm. sodas a day as compared to drinking one and substituting um, two bottles of water mm. um, and if you don't like plain water let's talk about how to flavor water mm. having those conversations and also about making healthier choices even if you still want your cake, I'm not saying you can't have your cake, but instead of eating cake or cookies seven days a week, let's, let's talk about what's realistic for you to cut back. Mm-hmm. And also that mental health component. What are you doing for self-care? When it's all said and done at the end of the day, the biggest determinant to health has to do with self-care behavior. So what are you doing? How are you taking care of yourself physically mm-hmm. and mentally? And so that's where it comes down to strategies. I've had some patients who are so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about what do you like to do? And I like to relax by taking a candlelit bubble bath. That's not realistic. I don't have time. So I encourage them to instead take a candlelit shower, even <laughs> if it's five minutes. So talking about those strategies um, with respect to walking or even just sitting outside or being outside in green space is very important to mental health. But all of those things together, those little bitty choices and changes that we can make every day and sustain for the rest of our life, that's the biggest thing. I don't encourage patients to do something that's like the latest diet and I'm going to lose all this weight in two months and then Mm -hmm. what? I want you to focus on things that you can sustain Mm -hmm. from here on out to promote your health and well-being. So, again, patient-centered and focusing on what's realistic and what can change. And even with the homeless population, mm-hmm. um, the good thing sometimes is that they walk a lot. And so we have to kind of balance out how they're spending their time and what they're doing, but looking at what happens in their day-to-day life and what choices they're making and where changes can occur. Perfect. So lastly, I mean, uh, what, what, what sort of signs you know, do we look out for when identifying cardiovascular disease? And, and, can we, you know, do as fr- and what can we do as sort of friends and you know, family members in improving the well-being of our lo- loved ones? Absolutely. When we're talking about cardiovascular disease, that has to do with heart attack, stroke. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there's a lot out there about, you know, chest pain. Mm-hmm. Um, about numbness and tingling on one side of the body or slurred speech. So we have all of these symptoms and these things that present when people are experiencing an acute event. However, it really goes back to prevention. The biggest thing that we can do for ourselves and how families can be supportive is to make sure that we're getting in to our doctors, not just when we're sick or have a complaint, but also when we're well. I'm just coming in so that I can know my numbers, so that I know my blood pressure, so that I know my cholesterol. These are the things that people typically who present with heart attack and stroke, these are the numbers that they may not know, may not have known, may not have known what they meant and not known how to manage them. Mm -hmm. So getting in for those preventive visits to not only get scheduled for Um, mammograms, colonoscopy, pap smears, but also that lab work that's going to show what your numbers are and what they mean. Are you diabetic? Are you Mm pre-diabetic? Because all of those things influence heart health. Very interesting, and and thank you so much for um, 
answering our questions and taking your time out. Um, very insightful and uh, eye-opening, actually. Um, you know some of the the, you know, the tips you've give, give, given us here would surely help all, all all of our listeners. So thank thank you again. Thank you so much. Excellent. It's been my pleasure. Take care. Bye bye. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call us on and speak to us about the current topic that we're discussing: healthy heart. The beat goes on. So, Fahim, I think that was really I mean exactly I've I've never gone to a doctor and said look what are my numbers and that's it even the BMI and all these things but I think that that's 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 very very interesting take and I think our our old especially they they, they only know they only go to doctors when they you know when they're when there's something wrong yeah and I think there's a lot of uh, devices these days that you can have at home to check these things as well so that you know I think these days your watch will tell you these things and uh, or you can get a blood pressure monitor or a sugar check. We don't advertise for Apple Watch here, so sorry. I said, oh. We, we don't advertise. <laughs> Smart watch, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, yeah, like these days uh, you should be able to check all of these mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that was some key advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was I think that um, if you think about it, not everybody has um, the same ability to do things. So mm. I think that you think just got to find something that you can be consistent on. That's and again, it goes back to Islam as well, right? That, you mm-hmm. know, things should be done small and consistent rather than very large. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've done that in the past where I've yes. gone back to the gym and I've like gone really hard. And then for three days, I'm, it, yeah. three days I'm out, right? Yeah. Like, rather than if I just gone back, you know, started... I actually uh, read this thing where um, this guy, what he actually did uh, to get to build the habit, he went to the gym, he mm-hmm. stayed there for five minutes, and he walked out after five minutes. Whoa. Whether he did anything or not, he just went there for five minutes. And what he he did that because he was trying to build the habit of going to the gym. And once that habit was then built, he grew upon it. Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting concept. I thought that like it just shows that like just showing up half the time and actually putting in the effort on a daily basis is actually what's going to impact and you were saying it the 10,000 steps a day yeah I think that, that that's very um, sort of sort of practical for you know for those who can't do let's say can't do any of these uh, hard sports such as mm. football and all these you know, or gym and stuff. Or yeah, yeah, exactly I think um, it's it's something to look into um, but I think we do have uh, on the line our next guest we have uh, Nabila Mansouri who's a uh, nutritionist and nutrition being you know fundamental to the discussion that we're having about uh, heart health um, with this uh, short introduction assalamu alaikum uh, peace and blessings of god be upon you and welcome to the drive time show uh, for joining us so we're speaking about uh, you know heart health something that's of course very important uh, for all of us um, and you know we, we particularly wanted to ask you uh, from the nutritional you know perspective I mean, how does nutrition, you know, affect our heart health? Uh, actually, uh, the nutrition do help you out in various aspects of heart, like coronary heart disease or blood pressure. It does uh, have a very strong effect on it. For example, if you go for the DASH diet, mm-hmm. it helps you out with the re- reduction of your cholesterol in your uh, blood. 
blood vessels mm-hmm. so it's just uh, it gives you a very uh, good uh, if you control on your diet uh, there is a chances uh, of your getting the heart disease reduces mm-hmm. yeah and thinking about um, you know younger people in the future and, and this obesity problem that we have in the UK um what what is the significance behind instilling the idea of good nutrition amongst young children compared to adults if you get into the a uh, good lifestyle habit for example having a good food good nutritional food for example instead of uh, going for the burgers or a pizza you can go for the oats uh, porridge or something like if you uh, if you use this habit from the childhood it will be an easier to to um, adapt in your elder uh, elder age mm-hmm. and if you try to uh, if you try to change an adult on their diet they won't change mm-hmm. because he will say that uh, we are eating from childhood and we have we didn't had any problem why will cha- why why you want us to change hmm definitely so implementing a good uh, nutritional habit from childhood uh, is really important definitely i think it's easier to get those habits when you're young as well now that's great advice um and so what types of food um are considered nutritious for um specifically a healthy heart for example is the fish a uh, fish because of the omega 3 in it in epa dha it's a very important thing in in related to the heart disease uh, heart uh, heart healthy heart uh, apart from omega 3 the epa dha epa dha which you can get from the flax seed also and also uh, u- using a uh, extra virgin oil instead of the sunflower or some other oil is also a virgin olive oil it's also a good uh, thing to uh, which help you are with a good heart and apart from this is like a low gi food uh, just like right now i told you about the oats and not going for the refined flours it also give you a good uh, it also increase uh, with a help uh, to make your heart healthy very interesting um and 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 lastly if you could tell us uh, you know what advice would you give to those who are you know busy with work and have sort of less time on their hands to prepare healthy meals uh, for that uh, they can go for the salads then uh salad is very good for the um, vegetable salad soups uh, which is really health, uh, handy and you can just grab it and you can have it mm-hmm. apart from and um, also it also doesn't uh, uh, it also don't increase your cholesterol or something like so uh, even if you can go for the pancake if you want to make a pancake make make a pancake from the oats and the honey uh then going for the semolina mm. so it also help you out with the good heart and a healthy habit and a healthy habit for the busy mm-hmm. people 
So basically, you're saying there, there there's always alternatives out there, and and it's, it's it's basically about choices that we you know we take. Yes. Thank what you. choices we take is all about that. Uh, it's all about that. Okay. Um, and most important to make your heart healthy, you need to reduce the salt intake mm-hmm. and fat intake. Uh, even the cheese can um, will not be a good thing mm-hmm. if you go for the healthy heart. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, it was very interesting to. Uh, to get your perspective, uh, you know, on heart health, especially from the uh, nutrition side of things. Thank you so much, Nabila. Thank you for joining us. Assalamualaikum. So zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Heart health is the topic that we're discussing. If you have something to say, please do call us in. Um, of course, uh, we're, we're we're talking from talk, take, talking from the perspective of World Heart Day. We yeah. have these days, and we have different days, um, and and the purpose of these days is to uh, sort of highlight, you know, to bring bring that awareness, the importance. Right? Yeah, bring 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 the awareness. So, I mean, the World Heart Day, you know, we know it, it basically informs people around the world, around the globe, that you know, cardiovascular, uh, you know, diseases, including heart disease and stroke, is the world's leading cause of death, claiming 18.6 million lives each year. Um, it aims to drive you know, action to educate that by controlling risk factors like smoking, diabetes, cholesterol, um, eating an unhealthy diet or living with high blood pressure, at least 80% of premature deaths from heart disease and stroke could be avoided. Um, the theme of uh, you know, for World Heart Day this year is use heart for every heart. Oh, wow. This, uh, opportun- this is an opportunity for, you know, everyone to stop and consider how to use your heart for humanity nature and for yourself and i think there there is a great significance here um but because because we know that when we we do things for others there is this feeling of elation and you know feeling of goodness and and and, and you know a sort of um, peace yeah that, that you feel when when you do something for not for money not for anything but just just purely serving people definitely and, and this is not just just uh what do you call it um just to do with you know religious uh, teachings of course yeah. we, we have that but you know all the people that don't believe in God or anything like that you speak to them some, some of them who are doing charitable work and it, you just ask them how, how does, does it actually make you feel and they'll tell you that it, you know it's, it, it's, a, it's a great feeling of you know elation and sort of peace and comfort definitely because um, as uh, our guest earlier Christina was saying that stress is a major mm-hmm. impact right so doing this and building that awareness and doing something for others will give you that peace, that you know, that feeling of calmness. And I think that mm-hmm. you know that it's a win-win. You're telling mm-hmm. people about this. This it's interesting because day. absolutely because oftentimes whenever the heart discussion on heart disease and stuff comes in, it's always about the physical side of things, isn't yeah. it? Running, you know, eating less, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> less calories and stuff like that. But this is a very unique. Uh, I think perspective, which is e- equally important, yeah. because by using you know heart metaphorically uh, to raise awareness about cardiovascular disease, um, you know one can you know help other hearts, i.e. people, you know, and mm. and by ed- educating yourself, you'll be helping your own heart. So there are you know educational programs designed to engage the public, uh, which are you know a major part of World Health Day. Uh, information about cardiovascular diseases and ways to prevent them is communicated through public talks, podcasts, posters, and Leaflets, um, you know, also held in conjunction with uh, World World Heart Day. Uh, you know, there runs, walks, concerts, uh, fundraising, and sporting events, free health checks, and other, you know, different sort of activities that have a positive impact on uh, public health and overall, you know, health awareness. And 
you know, you can always uh, get involved by going to the World Heart Foundation uh, Federation, I should, I, sh I should say, website, and uh, you know, check what events may be running around you, you know, in 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 your area, and how you can help to 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 raise this, you know, awareness and 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 basically educate yourself and others, uh, other mem members of society. Definitely, and you know, in in that um, same principle, like education is key, right? So. Why don't we talk a little bit about heart disease and, you know, because it's, it's a broad term, let's face it. Yeah, you, know, you, hear, you hear the word uh, quite often, but mm -hmm. what does it actually mean, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's actually a broad term for different conditions affecting the heart. And um, different heart conditions can have different symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, with, with the fact that it's um, World Heart Day, we want to raise awareness about the symptoms that you may experience uh, with heart problems. So um, it's important to be aware of the following symptoms, which can be a warning sign of a medical emergency, including a heart attack. So this includes chest discomfort or pain. This can feel like uncomfortable pressure, aching, numbness, squeezing, fullness or pain in your chest. This discomfort can spread to your arms, neck, jaw, shoulders or back and it can last for several minutes or come and go. Um, this and uh, other um, symptoms include shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, that's with or without that same chest comfort, discomfort we mentioned, mm -hmm. racing heart or a feeling of your heart pounding or fluttering in your chest, like, uh, like palpitations, mm -hmm. um, lightheadedness, dizziness and feeling faint, feeling anxious, nausea, indigestion, vomiting, and finally sweating or a cold sweat. So if you experience any of these symptoms, you should call emergency services immediately. The risk of heart disease can increase drastically in someone who isn't healthy. Um, as, as we mentioned, you know, people who aren't eating healthy, or eating too much, or um, not exercising enough and, and staying active. Of course. Um you know, so many things to, to, to actually look out for. But I think one of the things that we should um, <coughs> emphasize in, 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 you know, after the education part of things, the, the, the practical steps uh, would have to be taken, uh, you know, to be, to be very, very honest. Any, any change we want, to, we want to see in our life, uh, you know, we have to sacrifice something for everything. They say everything has a price, yeah. right? You sitting there on your couch and you know, not caring about yourselves would, 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 would have a price, right? Yeah. So I think this is uh, something to be taken seriously, of course, by people. And of course, um, as 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 you were m rightly mentioning earlier, look for something that that you can do consistently. Yeah. Uh, However uh, small, yes. it just needs to be done on a daily basis, because mm -hmm. <coughs> you know it will snowball. And you know you can go really hard, you can run a marathon, but then if you sit on the couch, like you said, for another six months to a year, then you're probably doing worse damage absolutely than what you did before so i think for us as muslims i think we uh, we have someone who we look upon as as, as the perfect example yeah. in, in the holy prophet and, and in every aspect of life and, and we know from his life how, how active his life was you know from 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 riding horses and camels you know to regularly uh you know taking long walks and see if someone who was even at home was helping his family members with with the house chores you know uh, and you know and it is nar narrated that once a famous Meccan wrestler challenged him and these were the people that were wrestling right and um, <laughs> just on a normal you know uh, something and, and the diet was was milk dates 
and yeah. rarely they would you know sort of cook there's a cook um, food the cave hero where the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi used to go I, I went there and it's got steps now and mm. i struggled to get up that so um, wow. if if holy prophet sallallahu alaihi like did that at that time without any sort of like walkway and stuff like he was more than fit and, and kept himself regularly in shape through the best possible like that. shape you, you, you can be in. and i think one of thing one of the things you you've you've, you've got to differentiate between is is the way you look and and health mm. of course being looking good and you know six packs and all these things mm. the, the efforts that people put in is there but i think um from from the perspective of the prophet that wasn't the looks one one thing it was it was at the you know the strength and the purpose of it was i mean why was it possible for these people to stand up one third of the night yeah. right As, at, at one place you know uh, prostrating and 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 praying to allah the almighty yeah. it just it just puts into perspective i don't know those of you who have tried to you know tahajjud prayers is is a prayer before the fajr fajr prayer right before the dawn yeah. And 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 you know the Holy Prophet would would sleep, for, you know sometimes one th- one th- one third of the night and you know, two thirds he would be, you know awake and uh, you know he'll be pr- praying prayer, to yeah. praying in you know would be sp- spending in prayer. So this this puts into perspective that this body is is an amana we say you know something that that Allah Almighty would 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 ask us for, uh, and I, I think this idea of um, you know one thing also needs to be uh, needs to be said with regards to qadr. Qadr, qadr is a d- decree. Some people say oh. You know, you know, the day of our death is written anyway, so you know we can yeah. do whatever we want, eat whatever we want. It's not; it doesn't work like that, mm. right? There is a decree, there is an irrevocable decree. So society explains it, which is sort of death is going to come at a certain, certain. Allah Party has appointed a certain day, but you you have in your hand to bring that forward if you like. If yeah. someone jumps off a building and and, and commits suicide, then then the 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 choice is given to that person. You know, and this is why we're 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 different to you know to any other uh, you know being you know conscious. We, we have a choice that 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 will be asked about. So um, physical health is something that we you know we've touched upon. Um, you know, uh, you know being active along with following healthy diet, not smoking, um, you know, and also you know your environment is has 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 a big role to play. And I think this is what mm. one of our guests was saying. Um, you know. And you know, taking practical steps and what you can do, you know, uh, reg- regularly. Definitely, course. yeah, and you know, just <coughs> as you were mentioning, just physical health. I, I just want to go back to a point that you made. Was it wasn't about the looks or the the, the six pack abs, <laughs> right? Like that wasn't the goal because I think that can also be unhealthy. Like mm. you know, the people that like starve themselves and you know, like really do the like work constantly and just fixate on just that. Like yeah, I mean, steroid mark, steroid exactly. side side of things. We yeah. know this is very common among gym goers and s- stuff like that. Yeah, and but you know how hard it is to be naturally because the purpose for someone to be natural. Wouldn't be the looks. You would you say, look, it's going to take me much longer. But yeah. but hey, I'm I'm working on my strength and I'm actually taking care of myself. So I think that side of thing is is uh, you know needs to be looked into as well. Yeah, because I think you can often be like, hey, you know, I want to look better. I want my clothes to fit better. Things like that. You can you can think like that. But just generally focusing on the fact that hey, I've been given this life. I've got you know you can't get this life back. You were mentioning time and uh, time and health are the two things that you know mm. that um, we take for granted. We yeah. take for granted. So like. If you understand that you know this is the one body you're gonna get, your this is your opportunity, and you can 
take uh, take care of it mm-hmm. the way you can and you're fully in control of that yeah. body it's only <coughs> you're the only one looking after the things that are going into your mouth right like mm. there you see there's a there there's a question that in, in the holy quran where Allah almighty asks uh, you know Allah almighty says that they'll be asked people how long did you live right this this life of 80 100 mm. years or so and and this is this is a person answering to god in that realization now realizing what this life is right he says a day uh, a part of a day a day or a little a little more hmm. this is the life <laughs> well yeah you know just so i often speak to you know our elders uh, this is me I, I always speak about these topics so some of you like what, what are you talking? <laughs> and it's so it's so it's so interesting there was a, there, there was a, there was someone doing a prank right in the this this was in central london or something and <laughs> he had this mirror up right and, hmm. and and it said do you want to see what you would look like in the future hmm. And he was like, "Oh, that's that's very interesting, right?" Yeah. And 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 so they they like go to the uh, close your eyes, and then he flips the mirror, and then of course, you know, basically he shows you as you're laying down in a coffin, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of people took offense to that, yeah, yeah. right? It was it was just to create awareness, but a lot yeah. of people they just it was like, "Oh wow, that hit me," you yeah. know, in a way. So I often speak about, and the prophet told us to. Uh, Remind yourself about death. That's why we go to graveyards, right? And either, right? right. He said, "Remind, yeah. speak about you know, remind yourself about death because it puts everything into perspective." Mm. So I speak to elders, right? Some of our elders in in the mosque or in in the offices that where we are. Hopefully, not just elders. No, no, no. <laughs> but 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 I ask yeah. them. I mean, you've lived a life. This is someone sixty five and seventy. Ask them how how was it when when you look back. Um, he goes, it, 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 it flew by. That that's how quick yeah. that's how quick it was, because because of course we're, you're in probably in your thirties, right? Yeah. I'm in my thirties, and you know time the way it, when we look back, you know when we were seventeen or eighteen, doing yeah. GCSEs, of <laughs> and now to you're know, having children and family, and yeah. how quickly things are moving, yeah. how quickly mm-hmm. things are moving. So I think it's it's important that we we set our um, goals right, right uh, from not not when it's too late. And I think this is a responsibility upon us to to be healthy because if you're healthy, then you can serve God and His people better, right? And yeah. that can be a means of increasing, you know, um, your um, you know your 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 share in the hereafter, right? Um, and 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 the Holy Prophet said, said another hadith which which we often present it as you know we say that the upper hand is better than the lower hand. So 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 the hand that gives. Mm. Is better than the hand that takes, but we yeah. often take it as giving charity. But think about it: is um, you know, he, he, and then he explains that even giving, passing a smile to someone is a charity. And then he yeah. gives very example. so. Think about it: that if you are a healthy being, right, you're, you're able to help people, right? You're you're, you're better. And he says a strong believer. Name the hadith. Now that's popping in your mind. Mm. Um, you know that al-mu'min al-qawiyu khairum min min al-mu'min al-da'if. He says that that a strong believer is is better than someone who's a weak believer. Right, hmm. but let me uh, put this straight. Um, also, that of course there are people that are that 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 are disabled. Hmm. Um, but in in the Holy Quran, there is also uh, something that sheds light on this: uh, that that those people who who can't who couldn't you know go with the Prophet on these exhibitions, uh, you know, div- on on journey to 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 defend Islam, pilgrimage, Islam, pilgrimage yeah. and stuff like that, um, they they had the same reward. Allah Almighty says as the people that actually went. Because of the intention, mm. you get it. So, so, so to understand this, that between two he- healthy individuals, one that that is qawi, that's strong, and one who doesn't take care of his health, the qawi is is, is better. This mm. is what the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is saying. Mm. Of course, we are coming to the end of the program. We've only got 
uh, about um, you know two or so minutes to go. We've you know covered uh, heart health. We've covered the religious aspects. We've yeah. spoken to uh, you know our various uh, spoken to various uh, you know guests uh, experts who've from the nutritional side of things as well as from the mental health because usually mm. we d- not we don't really you know talk about this as much, don't we? Yeah, definitely. And I just want to touch on that. They, um, you know, in a recent article to uh, from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, mm-hmm. they see you know a lot of uh, research that shows mental health is associated with these factors of heart disease. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people. Um, so some of the science behind it is people experience experiencing depression, anxiety, stress, and even PTSD over a long period of time may experience certain physiological effects on the body such as an increased cardiac reactivity mm-hmm. for example increased heart rate and blood pressure mm-hmm. reduced blood flow to the heart and heightened levels of cortisol mm-hmm. um, over time these <coughs> physiological effects uh, can lead to calcium buildup in the arteries metabolic disease and heart disease so just you know I think the I'd love for people because myself you know I didn't think too much about the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of it so I think that that just yes. wanted to stress that absolutely. And, and that there is you know genuine research and science behind that absolutely I mean uh, I mean there's so much um, that, that that we can discuss uh, and, and, and of course I think we have discussed uh, but uh, we are we have we are coming to the uh, the end of the program uh, I mean from the Islamic perspective, the contentment of the heart is 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 necessary for a person's you know mental health as well. Yeah. We're discussing that, uh, and 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 you know we're not speaking uh, you know of, of a physical heart, but a person's mental and spiritual state, which we you know allow them to find inner peace. And we know, uh, just as you've mentioned, that the mental health also has a relationship with our actual heart. Yeah. Right? Um, so from from that side of things, it's also important that we take care of that. So heart disease is not something to, to be taken lightly. We you know we should all educate ourselves. Uh, about it, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya um, Muslim community, and he also encouraged the importance of keeping healthy and and and, and encourages people to, uh, you know, just stay active. And he said, all of you should join in with other youths in the sports and outdoor activities, as this will enable you to set a positive example for them and to be a role model. This is one of the reasons that I encourage all the students of Jamia Ahmadiyya. And this is when we were studying, and we knew that we had to go out and t- for, for 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 two hours to uh, regularly pa- uh, participate in sports and to do exercise. Um, this is all from us today. Uh, we've come to the end of the program. If you haven't listened in, please do li- listen back. Uh, we would like to thank Hania Mubarak and Rabita Khan for producing the show. Here is the news. <laughs>